want to be successful? Do you want to grow your business? Do you want to dominate the day? Then you're going to need big skip energy. Erica, welcome back to the Big Skip Energy Podcast. How are we doing today? Great. How are you today, Skip? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you for coming back on. For those of you that don't know, Erica is a repeat offender here at the Big Skip Energy Podcast. She is actually, she was on the Top of Women in Mortgage episode a couple of years ago. And Erica, I got to tell you, that episode to this day remains one of the top listened and downloaded episodes that I've put out yet. Yeah. And it had to be all you, right? Had to be. <laughs> so, Hopefully this one beats that one. Well, sound only. That's true. That's true. Now, yeah, well, I've got a face for radios. A lot's changed since we had that last episode, obviously. We're, we're in a little bit of a different market, as I'm sure you've experienced the last 18 plus months now. First of all, talk to me a little bit about what you've been up to since that 2021 episode or 2022 episode. I can't remember which one. And bring, bring me up to date. What's been going on? How's business? What are you seeing out there as far as things, quote unquote, getting back to normal? Talk to me a little bit. All right. Well, I normal. What is normal anymore? I don't know. I don't know how what to answer that. Level, right? But I'll say that since that last episode, I transitioned out of direct lending. I went over to the broker side. Yes. Love it here. Love it here. I wish I did it sooner, but you know, I'm glad I, I had all the experiences that I had before. And so I definitely, as you mentioned, business was crazy in the last 18 months. Fortunately, I've been seeing a huge increase in applications. January was a good month. February is going to be better than January. So we're definitely see production increasing, which is great. I think that a lot of buyers have realized that this could be the new norm. Mm. Rates and the fixes and, and are, have kind of given up on that thought of all wait for the rates to go back, back down to 3%. Yeah. Probably won't ever happen again in our lifetime. So we get creative. We figure out ways to help first-time buyers get into mortgages that might have lower payments in the first few years, things like that. Everybody's different, though, as yeah. you've got to talk to your client and see what's the most important thing for them, what's, what are their biggest fears, what are, their, what are they most excited about. And I, I think a lot of it, too, is just creating a, a specific loan for each individual client because they're all so different. I, I no, no two loans are ever the same. They're like fingerprints. Well, it's true. But, you know, I'm also hearing a lot from all of my loan officer friends, from the highest producers to the ones that have just gotten into it. So it seems like every single loan out there is not only different, like you said, but also it's almost like it's a challenge. It's a science project. You got to put things together, really kind of work to put the puzzle pieces into, into the frame and that kind of thing. So are you also experiencing that? For sure. I like to find out about, I do a good amount of non-QM loans, yeah. which too, if anyone's watching that doesn't, isn't familiar with that term, not non-agency loans. So I'll do a bank statement loans. One of the programs I'm pushing a lot right now is a loan where you, where self-employed buyers can use just their 1099 to, for their qualifying income. So I like to keep myself up to date with the new programs that are coming out because I find that Realtors really appreciate hearing about programs that they don't know about and that they can pass on to their buyers that maybe didn't qualify for the loan amounts that they wanted to initially. And now with some of these new programs coming out, they are able to get into that higher price point. So yeah. 
I definitely like to keep up with the trends. I find myself going on a ton of webinars with um, the wholesale lenders, though I try to do a couple of those each week just to keep myself fresh and up to date. And so, so definitely they are all very interesting. Always yes. a challenge right now, but I want to yeah. go back just a minute when you said that you obviously had made the change from going from direct lending to the broker space and how excited you are to be in that. So a couple of things on that. Tell me what was the, what was your thinking behind the change first? And then tell me what it is that you like about being a broker more than you did a lender. Sure. Some of the things that I like most about being a broker instead of a direct lender I had no idea that's what I would like the most about, right? So the reason that I went into this space was, you know, I, I worked for a number of direct lenders previously and I learned a lot, right? Yeah. So I'm grateful for those experiences that I had and the teams that I worked with, but I'm sort of a lone ranger out here, clone, clone ranger. I work from home. Yeah. This is my whole office that I'm in right now. And I found that for me personally, I was not using a lot of the, it wasn't for the margin set up with direct lending to be able to pay for a team, pay for the marketing, pay for all the operations and everything that goes in between it, all the management. I, I wasn't really using all of that. Yeah. I'm over we're kind of structuring loans on my own. I, nothing against any of the operation folks that I worked with before. I loved all of them. I've always been fortunate to have really great team members, but what I found was when the rates did start ticking up quite a bit, I was losing deals to brokers. And so then I, that's when I really had to dig deep and say, why am I losing these deals? And ultimately it came down to pricing. So the, I can't speak for every broker, but the broker that I'm with, Arbor Financial Group, they're pretty, pretty transparent in the way that they'll tell you like, this is how we're priced. And this is how you can adjust your pricing in order to win deals if you need to do that. And it's just, it's about, I, for me, it's about the control over it, right? So I don't have to go ask for pricing exceptions. That was my biggest issue previously. And then when I did make, and I put a lot of time to make my decision, right? I, I knew before I left the last company I was with, I, I knew that I was going to be leaving. And so I took probably five good solid months to speak to a lot of different brokers and even some other direct lenders. And so I was able to really figure out what was going to work best for me. And I really like where I'm at. They do correspondent lending as well as wholesale lending, which okay. is great. And so when I was going to make the move, one of my biggest fears was I was going to have less control over my loans, right? Because yeah. it kind of instilled in us, brokers can't speak to the underwriters and you're going to be limited to what you're going to be able to do and what you're not going to be able to do. And it ended up being the complete opposite. We work with over a hundred different lenders. There is rarely a deal that I have to turn down now. And I've gotten to know my favorite lenders that I work with, which usually the ones in my opinion that are my favorite to work with are the ones that the account executives are always available, always willing to jump on the call with me if I need it. And it's got to the point now that I've been there for, it's been over a year and a half now, and I've gotten to know even some of the underwriters that I consistently send deals to the same lenders over and over. So now the underwriters will pick up a loan. They'll call me just like the underwriters that I worked with at the direct lenders would do. And so mm -hmm. I've gotten into a really good group. I've got an amazing processor. We work really well together. She's just like me where, you know, 
she'll work over the weekends if she needs to. And she's all about meeting her deadlines, which that's what we have to do because our reputation is what's going to get us that next deal or yeah. after those referrals. So, yeah. So, so if I'm hearing you right, then it, it just, it really got boils down to personal preference and what you as an individual loan officer really either needs or, or wants is, is kind of drives whether you, you think you'd be best fit in the broker world or the lender world. So that's obviously in our industry, that's an ongoing debate. So which one's better? And I think it really does boil down to, to, to personal preference. Like you said, if you're somebody that utilizes a lot of the, the ancillary services that working for a bank or a lender really offers, that's yeah, great. You, you know, it may be worth it. But if it's just you out there and you're really more of the entrepreneurial set, you know, you need that margin, right? So mm-hmm. it does, that makes a lot of sense. So some people really, they really like the freedom and it sounds like that's you. So and it's, you know, it is a transition. There's, I hired another girl that came over from the direct lender world and it, it's hard at first when you're making that transition, when you know, you're submitting a deal and then you're going, got to choose, you're going horse on it or you're going broker or hold down. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's different ways that you've got to do that process. Yeah. Broker down, everything's going to be going under broker's name, whereas horse on it lending, everything's going to go under our name. And so different ways that we have to send out disclosures, different ways that we have to order appraisals. But once you are used to it and once you really understand it, for me, there's no going back. Now, I will say that I've seen some People struggle when they come over to the broker side and it's not going to be a great fit for somebody that's brand new unless you're coming over with somebody that's going to be able to mentor you and help you throughout each step of the way. Yeah, um, It's really forced power. Season originators, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that because if you don't, well, frankly, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to set yourself up for, for, for failure um, or you better have a really steep learning curve. So yeah, I get it. Uh, so I... It, Let's talk about adaptability then, because that's really what this boils down to, right? You saw that the market was shifting it, and your current setup didn't necessarily meet your needs. Now you're in a situation where those needs can be better met, set you up for success in the future. Um, how important is adaptability it to not only for you, but for all the people that you know uh, in both real estate and mortgage? What are you seeing as some of the most consistent ways people are trying to adapt? Because like you said, it's, it, it takes a second to make that change. Any kind of change can be tricky. So what are you seeing as some of the best ways to try and make that as easy as possible? So I think that going into it, you it's all about asking the right questions and you don't know what you don't know. So it's, that's sort of, it's hard to do when there's certain things that you're going to need to know coming over that you don't even know to ask about. So that's why you really need to be able to, if you're going to be making a change, you need to be able to go with someone that you trust that's going to want for the best, in, for your best interest, because right. they're going to be, it's going to be up to whoever is bringing you on to that next, whatever it is that you're doing. And this could be in any industry. When you're transitioning, going from one place to another, you've got to be able to adapt. But in doing so, you've got to be able to have someone that's going to be looking out for you, right? And as far as consistency, consistency in anything is what I'm seeing the most success in with originators and real estate agents. So as consistency and posting on social media. For me, one thing that I did change when I came over here was I really started util- utilizing the CRM that they've got here. In the past, admittedly, I was terrible at staying consistent with a CRM. Sure. I would pay for it. 
And then I would just kind of sit there and then I'd get a notification that, oh, your payment, the process. And I'm like, oh, I should probably Oh, yeah, I got to use that, don't I? Let's start using that. But now that I'm really focused on staying consistent with doing everything through the CRM, it's mm-hmm. really done wonders for my business because I'm using those um, drip campaigns and yeah. it, I'm getting emails and text messages that are responding to emails and text messages that I've sent out, but it's my CRM that's sending them out. I've, you got to put your clients in there, put the correct label in there. Is it a real estate agent? Is it a buyer? Is it someone wanting to refinance? Is it a potential recruit for, you know, another loan officer that could be joining yep. the team? And so now that I've really gotten the hang of that, that is one thing that I am the most consistent about. I'll say I sometimes will fall off on social media. I'll post every day and then all of a sudden yeah. I'll post in weeks. And I can see the difference in my business when I do that. Oh, when I'm yeah. very consistent, I'm getting a lot of people calling me either, whether it's from Google, finding me on Google, finding me on Instagram, whatever it might be. But whatever you're going to be doing, consistency, it, I think, is the most important thing, right? Yeah. So, so two questions, I guess, follow up. For, so one, what's, what CRM are you using? The one that we've got is proprietary to Arbor. It's called oh, Yoast, one for everything in one squad. So it's not something that, that that's like you know, there. Gotcha. You. unless okay. you're you're here but i'm sure there's crms that are similar to it what i like about it is that i can connect everything through my email right so if i get a realtor that refers a client to me i can mm. just click on that email and add the client right from the email oh, it goes to my crm and so for me getting used to doing that was easy because i do everything through email i have every single thing listed on my calendar from from the morning until night even if it's something personal, like picking kids up from school, it's on my calendar. So then when someone goes to my website, if they want to schedule a meeting about talking about mortgages, talking about opportunities, then everything's scheduled on there and they don't have to. It's amazing how helpful that is when you actually use it, isn't it? So along those same lines, though, when I asked you about adaptability, I, I like your answer there because it really goes back. You said consistency, but it's if we take that a step further, I think also, you can say it's almost a back to basics approach to where you can essentially take your core practices that you do every day and plug them into something new. And obviously, there's a there's going to be a change there trying to adapt to the to, to the different line of business. But if you have that core of your discipline actions, your everyday habits, your your back to basics approach for sales, all all that stuff is going to be transferable. So. If I'm hearing you right, that's really what the focus should be on, what you're seeing a lot of. Is that a fair statement? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I I like to stay in contact with other, with my peers in this industry. I like to see what other loan originators are doing, what's working sure. for them. And the ones that are successful, they all are constantly adapting. There's always, you know, I talked a lot about social media, but social media is a constant adaption because you finally think, oh, I've got this figured out. And then the, yeah. they'll change. The algorithm changes. And so you got to constantly be on and constantly be looking and seeing, okay, who's getting the most, who's getting the most interaction with the stuff that they're posting? And then you've got to yes. see it. Well, what is it? What are they doing? How, what is different about their video than my video and the one that didn't get a lot of hints on it? So yep. I think that the adaptability part is coming from a lot of younger originators and real estate agents and because they're so used to doing everything electronically they're so used to not just the social media but doing business a hundred percent electronically i have to be wrong i still have my 
notepad that I write everything on. But, yeah, but you know, uh, when I started this business, we had the paper files. And so it's, it's yeah. we've come a very long way. Whereas the people that are newer to the business and not even necessarily younger, I shouldn't say younger, but the ones that are just getting into the business in the last couple of years, this is what's normal to them. They didn't really have to adapt to this. So the people that have been in business a long time, you've got to adapt to the new times and the way that people are marketing themselves, the way that people are using the CRMs, everything like that, because you're going to get passed up if you don't. Well, that's the thing, like, it's not just the technology. That's just one example. But like, let's be honest, Erica, as we get older, our ability or I should say our willingness to change and adapt decreases the older we get. You and I are the same age. And so, and we've been in this for quite a while now. And so it's like, okay, but you got somebody who's in their mid twenties, they don't have the history that we've got. They don't have the, so they're much more eager to try new things. They don't have Mm -hmm. the, they're not jaded. They don't have the, oh, that's not Mm -hmm. going to work. Cause you saw something 20 years ago that made you think it's not going to work now for some reason. They don't have that outlook. So I think that probably shifting your outlook is one of the first ways that we as seasoned professionals can try and change. Yeah. So let's face it, even by mortgage standards, though, you and I are still spring chickens, right? So that's all right. There are a lot of old folks in this industry. That's okay, though. But but yeah, as far as what you're going to be doing going forward, and I'm glad that you brought social media and those kind of things, because as we have a return to quote unquote normalcy, but like you said, what does that even mean now, right? But as we shift back and get away from the really low year last year, what are you focusing on this year to be sure that we, or that you can maximize the production that's going to be out there? Because by most predictions, mid-year on is going to be a little bit more robust as far as production goes. So what kind of things are you doing now to be sure that you can take full advantage of that available success later? Right. So... I'm going to go back to the CRM because yeah, you would. So. Know that, I know that coming up in a short period of time, we're going to see another kind of refi boom, right? Yeah. And so when that happens, now I'm going to be in a position where I can run a, a report through my CRM and see which one of my past clients has an interest rate over whatever interest rate we're looking for, mm-hmm. right? So that'll be one easy kind of review for me to do for all of my clients. And, yeah. and it's not, it's really to bet. Ultimately, we're looking to help our clients, right? They're mm-hmm. waiting for it just like we are. We're, they're waiting to refinance because they, they don't want to stay in their seven and a half percent interest rate forever, but right. they're relying on us to keep an eye on everything for them. So that's one thing that I'm putting myself in a good position for is to be able to easily track when it's a good time for my clients, my past clients mm-hmm. to refinance. And then the other thing is just, constantly educating myself because things change so frequently. And if you're not looking for the education that's out there and it's as originators, it's a lot of times free for us. It's, you know, it's even if it's not just a quick Google to look something up, our lending partners, the wholesale lenders that I work with, they're constantly offering webinars for us to join at any time. And sometimes I'm surprised at the how few people actually jump on and do it because once I'm done, once the webinar is over, I usually I'll feel kind of motivated and ready and like I'll make a video like look at this new program that we've got available mm-hmm. and then you'll see people that I I will literally get people that will call me and say I searched a hashtag and I found your video and it's right yeah well that really works it really yeah. works so 
I think just keeping yourself educated with new programs, new market trends, new new social media trends, and then keeping yourself organized, that's going to be, in my opinion, the best way to keep myself ahead of the game once we start to see the market change in, in our favor. Well, I'm glad you brought up education because before before we we signed on here, we were just chit-chatting back and forth. And you mentioned, say, hey, look, one of the biggest things that I've seen success with is educating realtors about temporary buy-downs. And so I, I think that goes both ways because the more up-to-date and educated that you are, the better resource you are in turn to your referral partners. So, so what are some of the things right now that you're seeing realtors really demanding and what's really piquing their interest as far as hot topics and that kind of thing that you're saying that whenever your referral partners call you, they're, you're always hearing over and over again. So I will, I like to call my real, my referral partners, the ones that I work with very consistently. It's, we don't even think about staying in contact with each other. They, they're my friends. So we'll right. text each other and we'll always stay in contact with one another. But then if I find like something that I feel is really valuable that would benefit them and helping them grow their business, then I'll have my list of everybody that I'm, I want to call and talk to them about it. And in this market too, real estate agents are, their business is, is slow. So they're looking for that. They're looking for that motivation and they're looking for other people in the industry to tell them like, Hey, business is picking up. We're getting worse because we see it first, right? We get the applications first. So they right. love to hear like, Hey, I. This month, I did more applications than I did in the last six months put together. Mm. They, they like hearing that because they know that if we're pre-approving people, then those pre-approved buyers are going to be coming over them shortly to start house hunting. Yep. And so when, when I'm talking to them, whether it's a new program that I've just learned about, or sometimes I'll see that one of my realtors has had a listing that might have been sitting on the market longer than they wanted it to. Mm. They're talking about, hey, we're thinking about doing a price cut. And I that's what I'll bring up the temporary buy-downs and how that might be more beneficial for them than to cutting a price. Let's just say, for example, if someone's got property listed for a million bucks and it's been sitting on the market for 45 days and now they're the sellers are getting anxious, they're paying mortgage on a property that's just sitting there vacant. They want to get it off their hands. So they're right. like, okay, well, why don't we lower the the purchase price to 950? Well, if you put together a scenario for the realtors for them to show their seller client and say, hey, instead of taking $50,000 and cutting the price, take that $50,000 and offer any potential buyers a temporary rate buy-down. And so you put the numbers together for them. And I'm telling you, we could probably edit this, right, for anything, because I can show you a screenshot that you can share too of what the difference looked like when you take $50,000 for a temporary buy-down and those first three years, their payments are drastically reduced. Right. Compared to if you take $50,000 off the top, off the purchase price, you're not going to see maybe a couple hundred bucks difference in payment. Whereas a temporary buy-down, you're going to see over $1,000 a month that they're going to be saving in those first couple of years. So that's going to be a much more appealing, especially when it's a first-time buyer that's going from paying $3,200 a month for rent, and now they're looking at $1,000 mortgage payment. That's huge, right? Not that they can't afford it, because obviously they've been pre-approved. We've looked at all their financials sure. and it's within their debt to income ratio, but it's psychological too, right? Just because they qualify for it doesn't mean they want to pay that amount. So showing that those numbers are a lot more appealing to potential buyers 
And so then it also helps the realtor to not have to at the purchase price. And then once that happens, it kind of looks like a little bit of stale listing and some people's eyes and that they're offering very low wall offers and things that could potentially insult the sellers. Yeah. Well, well I think that's, that's good because that's just one good example of really partnering up with your realtors and other referral partners to try and put your heads together and say, hey, look, you know what? The path of least resistance is not necessarily going to be the best. Let's look at some more in-depth options here. And that, that's what really what really positions you as the subject matter expert. And your referral partners are going to really enjoy that. And they're going well, to appreciate they it. They really appreciate that. And another thing that I do that I would say my close realtor referral partners that they do appreciate is, and now I'm not advertising this for just everybody, but the people that I work with a lot, I'll go and just co-host their open houses with them. And I'll yeah, sit there sure. with my laptop and I'll do pre-approvals on the spot if I need to. I'll put scenarios together for buyers. and. That really helps the realtors, especially when it's a busy open house. I get there a little bit early, find out about the listing, and then I can help walk people around and show them while realtors showing other interested parties. And then if people really are interested, right then and there on the spot, I can show them different loan options that they might not have seen with whoever they got pre-approved with. Not that I'm saying they're trying to steal people borrowers, but being there, being out there, in the field with the real estate that's agents, hard that's hard. Yeah. really looked at you as a partner. Yeah. But yeah, that's also a back to basis, basics approach. People three, four years ago, they weren't, they by and large pushed that to the side. They're like, yeah, I'm not, right. not going to screw with that. It's amazing what kind of things that you can set up for yourself going forward when time get a little leaner, because that kind of stuff's going to pay bigger dividends for you going forward. Right. right. So, all right. So Erica, we are running a little low on time. What else do you want to share with the listeners today? Oh, gosh, what do I want to share? Uh, I don't know, Skip. Life's good. I, I can't complain. I'm, I think that just the little bit of a change that we've seen and the market with rates dipping down just a little bit, it's really given me a new outlook. I was, it was hard for it. 2023 was a real tough year for us. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like right when 2024 hit, it was something shifted. And I'm kind of feeling like that motivation again. I'm feeling good about you know, this coming year and for everybody i want everybody to win and succeed <laughs> for sure yeah there's yeah, there just because you win does not mean to ask come at the expense of somebody else right Absolutely. so all right so let's get to know you real quick personally give me your think of a good generic one for you here make it easy on you. give me your favorite movie and why oh gosh my favorite movie that is so tough you sound like one of my kids skip my kids are always asking what's your favorite movie what's your favorite song yeah, see? I like old, like old school draw. Pulp fiction is always going to be one of my favorite movies. movies. <laughs> the good one. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that's got to be on my top couple of movies that I like. Okay. But about me personally, I'm a mom. I've got yes. two amazing daughters. My oldest is about to turn 16 next month. And my youngest is 12. I've had a great year with just watching them grow into young ladies. That they're at that age where... A lot is changing for them. My oldest daughter is a cheerleader and she's just, she's great at it. And it's the social bonding that she has with her cheerleading team and all of the kids. It's amazing. And yeah. she's getting to that age where she's, she's interested now that she really wants to learn about originating. She wants to be a loan officer. And it's like, what? oh my gosh, what, what a compliment. To I know. I mean, that does mean you're doing something right. Look at you. Well, yeah. So we were really close. And so I think that's why my, my Biggest prized possession is my kids. 
Yeah. And yeah, it's just things are good right now. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming back on the show. It's always fun to talk to you and get some of the insights that you bring from, from out West. And hey, listen, best of luck to you in 2024. I know that you're going to crush it and we will have to talk to you soon. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.